before I came to my current university, I was an associate library director at a similarly sized public regional university in flyover country. It wasn't the flashiest place in the world, but flash isn't really my thing. And in any case, being a big-ish fish in a smallish pond makes it easier to see how your work leads to a better world. I had a great director. The rest of the administration was smart and dedicated, and it was good, except for the governor and state legislature. They respectively named and funded the State Board of Higher Education Regents, who oversaw our university's president, who in turn managed the provost, who managed the library director, who, of course, was my direct supervisor. What happened next is a story of what can happen when you have a challenging boss, or in this case, a challenging boss's 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 boss, and how you can navigate your relationships with all your stakeholders to do the best you possibly can with the resources available for your career, your team, and the community you serve. Welcome to the Kind Leadership Challenge, where every Monday morning I teach you how to heal your school or library in the next 10 minutes. I'm Dr. Sarah Clark, founder of the Kind Leadership Guild, where I use my PhD in higher ed leadership and nearly two decades of experience in academic libraries to advise a growing community of educational and library leaders who want to build a better world without burning out. Kind leaders make the tough decisions without becoming jerks. We plan effective systems that help us get the job done with less money and effort. And we've learned that once we stop controlling and start collaborating, any vision becomes possible. Now, to be clear, kind leadership's pretty simple, but it's rarely easy. So if you're up for a challenge, stick around to learn how to create a legacy that will strengthen your community long after you've gone. You see, the state I used to live in cared a lot about making sure it taxed its residents and businesses as little as humanly possible so that its services cost taxpayers as little as humanly possible and their voters and donors could keep as much of their money as humanly possible. And speaking as someone who worked for that state's government for almost 20 years between my time in human services and higher ed, I'm actually okay with that up to a point. And for me, that point was a year they cut the higher ed budget by almost 20% in large part so they could give a tax cut to one of the state's biggest and most lucrative industries. And no, by statute, we couldn't raise tuition high enough to fill the gap. Not that it would have been fair to our students to do that anyway. So, long story short, we all took pay cuts. The library's operations budget was slashed. And did I mention that this all was announced about two weeks after I defended my PhD? I was a member of my previous university's faculty senate at the time. And like any faculty senate would be in their situation, they were hopping mad. Somehow, we got our local state representative to come to faculty senate after the budget was approved to explain the reasons behind his vote in support of the hatchet job to his district's biggest employer. The meeting went about how you'd imagine. 
It was cordial on the surface, but all the intellectual jargon and political double talk was a thin veneer over a knockdown brawl regarding the proper role of higher education in the state. I don't get into politics on this show for obvious reasons, but you can pretty much fill in the blanks of who said what and how it was received. By the time that state representative made clear to one of us that if we were unhappy with the current situation, we were welcome to move to another state, I had heard enough. My long exasperation at the restrictions my school had to labor under crystallized into clarity. I was done here. And a little over a year after that state representative gave us that advice, I'd taken him up on his suggestion and moved to the East Coast. So, what's the moral of this story, other than that education funding has its frustrations on both sides of the public and private divide? Well, one lesson is that relationships matter, not just with your bosses, but also with the people your bosses report to and the people who control the purse strings, be they a board, a government agency, or some other oversight entity. You will always do a better job of advocating for your organization if you understand all of your stakeholders' goals and can find ways to explain how providing resources or support to your organization will help you both get what you want. And I hate to say this, but you will also do a better job of advocating for yourself and your higher-ups if you check your ego and your temper at the door. We have all sat in meetings where a normally intelligent and insightful leader let their emotions run away with them when discussing a matter they cared about dearly, leading to a loss of respect and a lack of progress toward their goal. I'm quite aware that controlling your emotions is much more easily said than done. In fact, that's why I advocate that every educational leader find a coach and or a community of like-minded colleagues with whom they can speak frankly and move through their feelings so they can start progressing towards a solution to the problem they're facing. And of course, all of this strategizing and consideration of your tone is irrelevant if you and those above you are working at cross-purposes. In the best-case scenario, because of your different perspectives, both you and the stakeholder you are trying to persuade may have the best interests of your organization at heart. But the two of you may define those interests very differently, to the point that your vision is mutually exclusive with theirs. And of course, sometimes that stakeholder is willing to sacrifice your organization in service of what they see as a bigger goal. It's been almost eight years since that faculty senate meeting with that state representative. And to this day, I wonder if he thought he was helping or damaging higher education in our state via his choices. But ultimately, his motives were irrelevant. And the same is true of any situation where you and someone above you are working at cross purposes. If they won't shift and you aren't able or willing to accept their decision, then sometimes, like I did, it's time to move on. So here's this week's challenge. Is there some person or organization above you in your organization's power structure that you need to convince of something? Find an opportunity or book a time to talk to them before you lose your nerve and make a plan. My next steps checklist will help you navigate that challenging conversation with a calm mindset, a strong rationale, and a fuller understanding of your stakeholder side of the problem. 
Those of you who already get my emails can download it from the Kind Leadership Vault. And if you're not getting my emails already, just head on over to kindleadershipchallenge.com slash next to get access to the Next Steps checklist, other resources, and of course, these episodes delivered to your inbox every Monday morning. Thanks as always for listening to the Kind Leadership Challenge and for growing humanely, managing effectively, and creating collaboratively in your own organization. And if you know someone who might find this episode helpful, hit share in your podcast app or send them over to kindleadershipchallenge.com slash 92. Never doubt that day by day, you're building a better world, even if you can't see it yet. So until next time, stay kind now. Oh, one last thing. If you're ready to take on this week's challenge, but not sure how to start, head over to kindleadershipchallenge.com slash next to download the Next Steps checklist.